0: Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back, Shalligators. We're going to continue our series exploring why men love bitches. It's our new Shall Literature Book Club selection, and it's also just something that's sort of keeping my life held together right now. I read this book every few years, and every time I do, I just feel so much more powerful and smarter and just like I'm no longer feeling my way through the dark in terms of dating. And let me tell you, I know what I'm doing when it comes to dating, but when we catch feelings for someone or when we get our heart broken, we all feel blind, you know? We all feel deaf, dumb, and blind, and crazy, and heartsick, and just spiraling. And we're looking for any sort of anchor, any sort of map or directive to tell us what to do. And I've really, really found that with this book so you guys can get it there's a link um, in the description you can get it on amazon or if you go to the shalligators reddit page they've got a free version on there which is pretty darn cool so the last two episodes we read the introduction and then last week we read the first chapter so we're gonna jump into the middle of the second chapter because it talks about why guys stop calling and i've done videos on why guys ghost right but this goes into a little bit more depth But I want us to get our mind right first. You know, we got to get back to the mantras. And the mantra this week comes from this book. So I want you to get comfy. I want you to exhale. I want you to drop your shoulders. Yeah, loosen that jaw, wiggle it around. Relax your inner ear. Relax the corners of your eyes, the bridge of your nose. And we're going to inhale through our nose and we're going to exhale through our mouth. When we do, this is our mantra. This is me in all my splendor. It doesn't get any better than this. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. One more time. In. This is me in all my splendor. It doesn't get any better than this. Now we are ready to receive the message. So let's jump in reading from the book here, reading from the Bible, as it were. It's a fact that most men deliberately don't call just to see how you'll respond. When a woman is upset, she's easy to read, and a man can easily gauge how much a woman wants or needs the relationship by simply pulling back a little bit. So forget all those other theories from magazines about why men don't call. Attraction principle number four. Sometimes a man deliberately won't call just to see how you'll respond. It's human nature for a man to test the waters to see how much he can get away with it. You see it in the behavior of children and even the behavior of pets. It's par for the course. Pulling back is also something men do to gain reassurance. No man is gonna say, honey, I need reassurance about where I stand with you. Instead, he'll pull back to see how you react. When you react emotionally, it gives him a feeling of control. And if you react emotionally frequently, Over time, he will come to see you as less of a mental challenge. If he can't predict how you'll always react, you'll remain a challenge. It also gives him something he absolutely needs, the freedom to breathe. If you don't hear from him for a little longer than usual, show him that you have no attitude about it. This behavior will make him a little unsure about whether or not you miss him, i.e. need him, when he isn't around. It gives him a reason to come your way because he won't perceive you as needy. Try not to say things like, why haven't you called me or why haven't I heard from you in a week? If you act as though you have not even noticed because, hey, time flies when you're having fun, girl, he will come your way. Why? Because he doesn't feel like he has a 100% hold on you. A top teen magazine recently gave women the following bad advice. They said to slip notes in unexpected places like his backpack or his locker, write a poem and slip it under his windshield wiper. As if this wasn't enough to give his attraction the kiss of death. Wait, it gets better. In addition, they advise catching him off guard by having a pizza delivered. Okay, put it all together and what do you get? A magic recipe for convincing him you're a stalker. Attraction principle number five. If you start out dependent, it turns him off. But if it's something he can't have, it becomes more of a challenge for him to get it. Again, it isn't about learning how to play a game. It's about understanding human nature and behaving accordingly. Okay, this is a Shallon side note. Do you guys watch the show Dirty John, Betty, Betty Broderick? Watch it. If for nothing else, the very first episode. It's about this woman who's getting divorced and she like absolutely cannot accept it. And the first episode starts with her lawyer lecturing her because she's just like refusing to play ball. She's not reading the contract. She's not signing anything. And he says something so wise. Betty. You think that if you don't play, you can't lose, but you're losing already. You're losing right now, and you're just going to keep on losing. I have used almost this exact phrase when it comes to dating in my videos because every girl, when they just want to behave badly, and by badly, I mean call him 10 times, suck his dick on the first date, Snapchat him 10 times in a row, even though he just leaves you on red they always say the same thing. You know what, I just don't want to play games. Sorry, I don't want to play games. The game is being played. And not playing doesn't mean you win. If this if this was war, right? You know I love war metaphors. If we were on a battlefield, and they, they shoved you outside of that plane, they're like, all right, go do it. They give you a gun. If you stood in the middle of that battlefield, you're like, you know what, I just, I don't, I actually don't want to do this. Like I opt out. Do you think that creates some sort of force field around you? Hmm, I feel like it doesn't. I feel like you're just going to get shot in the head pretty fast. It's not an option to opt out. I mean, it is. Get out of the dating game. These games are being played whether you want to accept it or not. And I, and Sherry Argoff, who wrote Why Men Love Bitches, we're giving you the tools to win. So learn. And I know you guys are. I know you guys love this book. Okay, back to it. A man will always want what he can't have. When a man meets a woman and she seems nonchalant, it becomes a challenge for him to win her affections. Or if he tries to get a woman to react in an insecure way, but she holds herself with a level of dignity and pride, suddenly the dynamic changes. The same guy who is gun-shy of relationships, ooh, he becomes a believer. Now he begins to fantasize about getting the so-called bitch to cook him a meal, fold his socks, chase him around. But if you start out dependent on him, well, he simply doesn't value it in the same way. Another mistake a woman can make is she puts herself down. If you're on a date, don't talk about the plastic surgery you want or the weight you want to lose. Don't talk him out of a compliment. This is the time to be sure of who you are. What's the right attitude? Here comes our mantra, ladies. This is me in all my splendor, and it does not get any better than this. Don't spend a fortune on a therapist. Just say it to yourself until you believe it. Eventually, you will believe it, and so will he. Humility? Don't worry. It's a treatable affliction, a mental glitch. If you catch yourself being modest or humble or any of that nonsense, correct the problem immediately. Go directly back to believing you are a catch. Period. End of story. Case closed. Someone else doesn't like your confidence? That's their problem. Why? You come before they do. Always. That's why. Here's a quick Shallon aside, and this book has helped me, you know, like I've said before, it's not just that it helps me with dating, it helps me with friendships, and it helped me with a confidence sort of crisis that I had the other day. My mom came to visit, and she was like helping me furnish my house here in Montana, and I live in a nice place. I work very hard. I save my money, and I'm good with it. And having this place is a real feather in my cap. I'm proud of myself. Or at least I was until I started dating here. And I realized that the guys I was dating who are a little bit more blue collar, even if they're more white collar, like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but they just don't have that New York, like go get them career attitude. It's much more like work to live, not live to work. And that isn't a wonderful way to be. It is, it is. Because you know, coming from New York, your job is your whole life, it's your whole identity, it consumes you. And I purposely moved out here to get more work-life balance. But I had like one or two guys over to my house and things had been going well up until that point. And they came over and they saw where I lived and they were like, I could physically see the blood drain from their face. I physically saw the change of, oh my God, I can't keep up with her. Oh my God, I'm not on her level. What Whatever fill in the blank hysterical thing they were telling themselves. And I was like... I got so depressed because I thought every trophy I've ever acquired has just served to build a fortress. They're bricks building a wall around me that's keeping people out. That's all they're doing. Oh, the books I've written, (laughs) that's scary. The magazine I ran, terrifying. This channel with the hundreds of thousands of followers, excruciating for boys. And when my mom and I were shopping and she was like picking out nice things, Everything she would pick out and everything we put in the house, I would just get this feeling of dread, just this sinking feeling of, oh, fuck, it looks even nicer. They're going to hate it. No one's going to want to come over. It doesn't have a neon bud light sign. There's not a graveyard of empty white claw cans in the front yard. I am barricading myself off from people. And so when I read that in this book, hey, this is me, all my glory, take it or leave it, bitch that hit me so hard we as women and I've said this a million times we're trained to dial down who we are we're trained to apologize for all the things we're good at you look pretty oh no no I'm sorry I just I put butter in my hair I there's corn in my teeth I don't know I'm sorry when we spent like six hours getting ready no we're trained to explain things away be polite oh well no wait. okay well I'm glad you like this dress but really it's my friend who picked it out. And it looks so much better on her Why do we keep doing this? Because we're trying to stay so small as to not scare away a fragile man, aren't we? Oh, I can't make any noise. I might scare him away. It's funny how men are the hunters, right? And when you're hunting an animal, that's how you have to be. You don't go stomping through the woods. I'm learning a lot about hunting, living in Montana. Believe me, child, more than I ever wanted to know. You do make yourself small scentless. There's literally like soap and shampoo you use called scent away to take away your entire scent. And I'm like, that's how I've lived my whole life. Washing myself scentless so that I'm almost like a translucent jellyfish drifting silently, unnoticed through a man's life so I don't scare him. So it's ironic that the men are the hunters, but we treat them like these frightened skittish animals. I've said before, boys, they're fragile and reckless at the same time, like children, but also like skittish animals. And reading that in Why Men Love Bitches, I was like, you know what? No more. No more. On my Tinder, it didn't say YouTuber. It didn't even say author. It said writer because my friend was like, oh, well, don't put either of those things. You're going to scare guys off. I'm like, but, but that are, those are my things. That's, that is my things. She's like, just put writer, you know, it's a little less intimidating. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I still have it as writer. And now though, I'm, I don't hold back about where I live. I don't hold back about what I do for a living. You know why it goes back to that phrase that we use a lot around here. If it's fragile, let it break. If you're intimidated by seeing a word on an app about what I do, honey, you're not going to fit in around here. I'm a big person. I'm a big personality. I've got big dreams, big goals, big reputation. That's just who I am. And if you can't handle it, I absolutely understand that. But I am tired of washing myself in scent away emotionally so that I don't scare away a skittish man. However, however, That is a very slippery slope. And I've said this to myself before, this is me, baby, take it or leave it. You know, that horrible meme. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. If you can't handle me at my worst, I absolutely don't blame you. I'm a fucking nightmare. But it became a slippery slope because then I would lead with my resume. Then I would be braggadocious. I would be smug. I'd be spiky and I wouldn't be leading with the sweetness. Now you're probably thinking, Charlotte, we're reading a book called Why Men Love Bitches. And you're talking about not leading with the sweetness? Like, obviously, you want to be a bitch. Nope. The bitch is sweet. She's so sweet. She's like a sweet southern belle. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But there's a lot of things she doesn't find funny. Disrespect. Wasting her time. Jabbing at her. Poking at her emotional underbellies. Undermining her. Gaslighting. Being passive-aggressive. I'm not laughing anymore, sweetheart. So now my goal is to find that medium balance between, yeah, no, this is my life. This is my house. This is the art in my house. This is what I do for a living. This is my following. These are my friends. This is where I've traveled. This is my mind, my intellect. I'm not going to dial down my vocabulary for you. My perspicacity is unmatched to balance that with the sweetness. And the way you do that is by withholding your time. It all ties back to that. I am unequivocally me, but in shorter doses. You don't get me for a whole weekend. I mean, unless you take me somewhere for the weekend. I'm not just going to hang out at your house with you for the weekend and have sex a bunch. No. I'm also not just going to give you that unfettered access to me and my personality unless you earn it. And, And you are allowed to define how that earning goes, what that earning potential is. Is it dates? Is it phone calls? Is it weekends away? Is it not hooking up because you're saving yourself? You get to decide that, and then you get to meter out your personality as you see fit, but your scented personality, you know? Not your jellyfish, whitewashed, scentless personality, so you're not gonna scare him away. You're still you, but you are putting it out in eyedropper amounts and not a flood and that's what i used to do let's get back to this attraction principle number six it is your attitude about yourself that a man will adopt a beautiful woman can make herself look very ugly in the eyes of a man if she is insecure he pursued you therefore he finds you attractive an understated demeanor and a confident attitude will convince him you are gorgeous see this is where i have trouble with that whole smug thing anyway never assume you're not attractive enough and therefore you have to overcompensate or chase a man taste is subjective one man's ugly is another man's beautiful the first date is about looks when he falls in love it's about your attitude it's about whether you can hold your own which is all about how you hold yourself attraction principle number seven. Act like a prize, and you'll turn him into a believer. A woman also demeans herself when she compares herself to another woman. So don't let on when you feel threatened by another attractive woman who walks in the room. If you want to make a woman who's a 6 on a scale of 10 look like a 12, what do you do? Simple. Act threatened by her. If you pretend not to notice her, he'll see your confidence in yourself, and then he'll become intrigued with you. Then another curious thing will happen. Suddenly, she won't look so good. She only has as much power as you give her. If you are in an uncomfortable situation, don't feel compelled to compete with another woman. In addition, you don't need to expose a lot of skin or feel like you have to work harder to earn a man's sexual attention. I know a woman who takes off layers of clothes based on how the other women in the room are. The issue, again, is overcompensation. No need, honey. Wearing your sexuality on your sleeve isn't advantageous in luring a man. The issue is not about whether you're being successful in turning him on. This is no big achievement. He can get aroused from riding a motorcycle from sleeping, for God's sakes. The issue is whether you turn him on. It's whether he stays turned on after he's been satisfied. This is the key. Quality men are attracted by less, not more. If he sees a pretty secretary wearing her hair in a bun, right there in broad daylight, he's going to start wondering what she looks like with her hair down. If he sees a woman dressed in a way that shows her something moving behind a sweater that he can't see, his desire to see is greater than if she's showing it off right off the bat. When you show your shape but don't expose every inch, the unwrapping of the gift becomes much more stimulating. If he has to unbutton an item of clothing to get to see what he wants to see, it turns him on more, not less. You often hear a man say of a provocatively dressed woman, I wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers. This is true until he's had his way with her, and then crackers are no crackers, he's going to move on. The difficult part isn't getting a man's interest. The trick is knowing how to sustain it. Much of holding your own in a relationship begins with how you hold yourself. Overcompensating is overcompensating, and it includes everything from calling a man too much, to cooking a four-course meal, to dressing too provocatively. Remember the saying, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. If, at a later date, you dress provocatively, hey, that's another story. Then he knows you're doing it just for him, so it becomes a treat. This is why you often hear men say that the lady in the living room and a whore in the bedroom, you know the whole phrase? It's what you don't show that keeps him intrigued. He should accept me as I am, said the woman who was too nice. Oh boy, right? Yeah. Did we not just talk about this? Yep. Accept you. Oh no, sister. Slap yourself. He should want you. Want you madly. Acceptance has nothing to do with it. He accepts a doormat, but he desires his dream girl. If you want acceptance, go to a self-help group, okay? We're talking about what he craves. It started when he was a kid. When he received a toy for Christmas that he didn't even ask for, he played with it for five minutes, whatever. The toy he cherished was the one that he bought with two months allowance. It sat on the top shelf at the toy store. He couldn't reach it, but he went every day to look at it. It's the toy he will always remember because he had to earn it. So now she does sort of a comparison chart decoding what we say to ourselves and actually how guys interpret this so in her mind she says I'm going the extra mile and he hears she's trying too hard and she's desperate I don't want to play games she talks too much I am so nurturing Ugh, she's like my mother I'm giving a hundred percent so I can make this work She's like really nice, but there just isn't any chemistry. But with the bitch, there's no lack of sexual chemistry. So what did we learn from chapter two? And this wasn't even all of chapter two. This is just a morsel of it, a tidbit. And the reason I don't read the whole thing is because I feel like we have to take it in in bite-sized chunks so we can really digest it. Because every line, every sentence is so tight and so densely packed with incredible awakenings that I'm like oh I just have to read it slowly like the Bible you don't just like sit and speed read the Bible it takes people literally a year that thing is so confusing I don't get it so what did we learn well you set the tone of the attitude if you start off dependent if you start off doing too much there's kind of nowhere to go but down you need to lower the bar ah yes I know what what we always talk about raising the bar I'm gonna raise the bar higher no girl We're gonna raise the bar higher for how they treat us, and we are going to slam the bar to the ground for how we treat them. You know what you are? You're a lover. So am I, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover, so are you. You wanna love, you wanna wrap your arms around someone and ask about their day and pet their head and make them their favorite pasta from scratch. You want to hold them in in your arms, make friends with their family, hear about all the bad things that ever happened to them and fix them. Fuck it. Nope. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that shit. No, you're not. You want to curl your hair, put in those extensions, wear that Kardashian slutty dress, look amazing on date one. No, you're not. You know why you're not? Because it hasn't been working for us. We got to stop, girls. We got to get out in front of this. Aren't you tired of getting played? Aren't you tired of getting depleted? Forget, forget played, you know. It's the depletion that's killing us. It is the erosion of our precious energy, of our sense of self, and our sense of knowledge about this world. Where you give your all and you give your best self to someone and you love them. You just love them. You love them, you're nice to them, and they treat you like a doormat. And you're like, oh, what? This flies in the face of everything we've been taught. Be nice, be loving, be there for someone. We do that, and what does it get us? Dumped, humped and dumped, left on red, played, ghosted. Choose your own adventure. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of doing what I've always been taught to do. It's time we learn to do something else. So the bar is now very low. The bar's low. I'm not straightening my hair. I'm not going to Ulta and getting my makeup done before a date. I'm not making sure my lashes are touched up. I am not even shaving. I mean, maybe, but not if I don't feel like. I mean, before dates, I've like run to the drugstore. One time I shaved my legs in a gas station bathroom. Never again. Never again! Oh, you don't want to touch my leg? It's spiky. Great. You know what your leg is covered with, dude? Hair. Your whole body is covered with hair. Everywhere I look, hair, 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 hair. I'm not bending over backwards to defuzz myself. You don't like a data reptile. Let's just try this. Let's just let's just give ourselves completely to this idea of lowering the bar, being the bitch, putting ourselves absolutely, unequivocally. No BS about it. First, let's just see what happens. Worst case scenario: Hey, we don't get the guy. You know what? Maybe we wouldn't have gotten him anyway. And one thing I've learned, and I've learned this the hard way, and I've been, I've become so much more aware of it since reading this book, is when I say to myself, through through like the trajectory of a relationship. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to call him. Whatever. I don't care. I I don't want to play games. I just don't want to play games. Okay, this is just me. I don't know. This is just how I feel. Why can't you just know it? That, that point right there is when it is more important than ever to stick to this. More, that is the tipping point where things could go real bad. And guess what historically they have when I've done that? Or maybe I can get things exactly where i want them i can get this guy where i want him respectful high bar doing what i want putting me first interested chasing me flattering me courting me or he gets gone and you know what we say if it's fragile let it break if he's a lever let him leave i i would rather have a guy leave and think wow i stood up for myself just a little too much than him leave and thought wow I bent over backwards for this dude and he left anyway. Because then I'm mad at myself. I'm sad about him and I'm mad at myself. And what does that get us? I don't care about missing a guy. I care about missing me. I care about missing my sense of self-love and my sense of self-respect. Don't you? Isn't that where the depletion comes from? It's not that, oh God, I keep losing guy after guy. It's I keep losing me after me after me. I keep losing myself after myself, my sense of trust, my sense of pride. And then what takes that place when you have that void? Resentment, self-hate, self-destruction. And then you start perpetuating the cycle. You start doing it over and over and over again. So like I said, that all ends now. We're giving ourselves over to this idea. The idea of serving ourselves first, not shrinking but also not being a complete asshole, not being braggy and smug and and uh, you know poking at a guy's ego and turning life into a whole pissing contest in a competition, absolutely not. But I'm not going to downplay things. I'm not going to lead with it. But if someone asks, hey, I'm going to tell them the truth about my life. I'm going to tell them the truth about where I want to go in life. If a guy's like, where were you last night I called? I was on a Tinder date. What? You don't like it, don't ask. Or if you really don't like it, Flip the script, brother. You want to lock me down? Figure out how to do it. I want to know your thoughts on what you guys are getting out of this book. Like I said, head to the Shalligator Reddit page where you can download a free copy. Or you can get it on Amazon at the link right down here in the description of this podcast. Um, tell me what you want to know more about, what we can talk about, what's resonating with you, and how have you applied all of this knowledge to your real life since you started reading it? Because I know that even just a few chapters in, so many things are being illuminated in your life, and I'm sure you have encountered situations where you're like, wait a minute. I'm going to make a different choice and maybe that outcome was so much better, but I bet even if it wasn't, you still feel better about yourself and that is what it's all about. That's what it's like to be an alpha female. That's what it's like to be warm-blooded and that pride in yourself and that strength in yourself is what is ultimately going to attract the right kind of people. I guarantee it. I'll see you later, Shallow Gators. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shallow Entourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.